Judge Roy Moore was known for the Ten Commandments. He was a judge who, in fact, believed in the Ten Commandments so much that he had a monument in his courthouse. It wasn't just an ordinary monument. It was a monument that weighed 5,280 pounds. Do the math. That's over 500 pounds per commandment. <laughs> when he was ordered to remove the monument from his courthouse, he began to go around making public appearances defending the Ten Commandments. Now, you can imagine that at 5,280 pounds, taking that monument with him to his speaking engagements was a challenge in itself. An ordinary pickup didn't do the job. He had to have a huge flatbed. And the crane that was used was a 5,000-ton crane. And in trying to lift the monument onto the flatbed and back off the flatbed, actually strained the crane and caused it to buckle. People would actually come just to watch this thing getting loaded on and off the flatbed. 500 pounds per commandment. The weight of the commandments. The weight of the law. Straining under the law. Buckling to the law. Yes, Judge Moore believed the Ten Commandments were weighty. And many have experienced the weight of the commandments. What's interesting is that Judge Moore apparently didn't really read the Scripture. And I'd invite you to turn to the Scripture there from Exodus. And you'll see what line Judge Moore forgot. It's at the very beginning. Hear these words. Then God spoke all these words and said, I am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You've been living in the house of bondage too long. You've been weighed down too long. You've been buckling under too long. How long can you stand under the weight? Is it pressing you down? Is it suffocating you? Can you walk anymore? I am the God who brought you out of the house of bondage. So what's being said here right up front is the commandments are not about weight. They're not another burden to carry. In fact, what's being said here right up front is that these laws are about freedom. They are about movement. How can you journey to freedom if you're weighed down and buckling under and can't breathe? So how are what's known as the Ten Commandments, about freedom. Well, they give us the freedom from false gods. 
all the illusions. Our culture and the culture of the first hearers of this text were offered many gods, illusions, gods that ultimately would not satisfy. Those gods in themselves were a weight of sorts. So their freedom from false gods, their freedom from little gods, freedom from murder and stealing, freedom from abuse of one another, freedom from the constant desire for more and more and more. Some, in fact, have said that these really should not be called the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Teachings or the Ten Directions, because they are pointing to a way of life, a way of being. And this way of being is about lightness and freedom, freedom to really live from that deeper place. So when we look at the Ten Teachings, how do we live these teachings? The reality is that most of us really can't live the teachings on our own. And that's why there's one teaching in particular that is a key to all the teachings. There is one teaching among these ten teachings that is actually a spiritual practice that makes it possible to live with them. There's one of these teachings that actually gives us that capacity to help us take a second breath before we are trapped by bearing thought witness against another. There is one that is a spiritual practice that will help us to check ourselves before we weigh somebody down with what we may say about them or what they may say in turn about us. So you look at the ten teachings, which one do you think is a spiritual practice? the one that really holds the key to the rest. You'll see it there as the final verse that's printed in your text today. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The reason behind this idea of the Sabbath is not just that we would show up somewhere to fulfill some commitment, to put another check on the checklist. The idea behind Sabbath is to find a place to take that second breath. To take that second breath before we give in to the false gods or the little gods. To take that second breath before the anger impulse takes a murderous bent. To experience the Sabbath is to draw close to the heart of God. God who seeks to speak truth to us and life to us. Ultimately, Sabbath gives us that capacity to really see who God is and how God seeks to offer us new possibilities. The psalm that we shared together from Psalm 19 echoes this. Right there in the middle of that, you'll see these words that we shared together. 
Your purposes, O God, are right. They gladden your heart. Your command is clear. It gives light to the eyes. So what's really happening here is that while we could easily be confused by the little gods, by the impulses, what's being offered here is a sense of clarity. To be clear about what really matters in life. To be clear about who that person next to us really is. One created and beloved by God. To be clear about what really matters. That is the power of these teachings. And this one pivotal teaching. The source of clarity are Sabbath moments. The prayer of an open heart. Saying, God, I've been ordering my steps long enough and they've taken me to a lot of places that have entrapped me in one way or another. I need you, oh God, to order my steps. But what is the direction if we don't pause long enough to hear it, to experience it? To see what God is offering us. A renewed vision. Sabbath is the source of clarity. Clear enough to see the illusions we turn into God's. Clear enough to take that second breath before we slander our neighbor. Clear enough to value our parents even when we disagree with them. Clear enough to appreciate the gifts that others have. Without feeling like we must consume them for ourselves. What's beautiful about Sabbath is that it takes us back to what really matters and to what's really clear. It takes us back to the very source of life. Barbara Brown Taylor is one who advocates this terminology of the Ten Teachings as opposed to Ten Commandments. And here's what she says. The Ten Teachings constitute a kind of trust exercise about the nature of reality. On the face of it, what real harm does a little coveting do? After all, the entire advertising industry is built on coveting. Or what real damage does catching up at the office on the Sabbath do? The entire culture agrees that productivity is good. If the ten teachings challenge all the other readings of reality. The ten teachings are saying, trust me, God says. These other teachings are not good for you. The life you think they bring you is not real life. What's happening with the ten teachings is that we get a clear view of that deeper life-giving reality we look at our gospel today one question that comes is what was Jesus really so upset about I mean people were going there to worship they were fulfilling what they'd been taught in their culture to fulfill they were required to offer sacrifices in that particular time and culture and the sacrifice had to be unblemished well people were coming from great distances And so by the time they got from where they started to the temple, there was no way that their sacrifice would still be unblemished. 
that have gotten injured or scraped along the way, dusty and dirty along the way. So those in the temple were simply providing a service, a service to reach out to the community, <laughs> to help people to practice and live their faith. The other service being offered was that coins of the Roman Empire were not allowed in the temple. So they took those coins and exchanged them for coins that were acceptable. So what was Jesus so upset about? They were fulfilling their mission and ministry. Being user-friendly <laughs> to those who were coming. I think what Jesus was upset about is that in a very subtle way they were doing the right things for the wrong reason. They were doing good work but in a subtle way the focus was off the fullness of the Sabbath into simply meeting the needs of the consumer. It's easy for consumers to become consumed. And Jesus' call was to invite the people back to the heart of real life. To draw people back to that Sabbath focus. It's so easy for things to become unclear. Even when we're doing the right things and seeking to do our best. So part of what's coming through here is it's important that we get quiet enough to hear the nuances and the subtlety to realign to be humble enough to acknowledge that our steps may be heading even slightly in the wrong direction so get back to the deeper path back to that place of deepest clarity have a sabbath moment Remember your focus. Give up the illusions and the false gods and the little gods and find that place of real life. Even this morning as I was kind of watching us gather for worship, I couldn't help but notice how almost all of us had a job of one kind or another to do. And many of us had more than one job to do. I couldn't help but notice how as we were moving around, bustling, engaging, how, how easy it was for someone to be sharp or short with someone else. How easy it is in the bustle of doing church, we forget about right relationship. It's not intentional, but it happens. We're so busy doing church that we miss the deeper meaning. So this morning, now, I would invite us to have a Sabbath moment even here. Take a moment right now and just feel the presence of the person next to you. Don't have to look at them. You want to you can but you don't have to just take a moment and feel the presence of those around you this is a place where real people gather to worship a real God 
who invites us to do good things for the right reasons and to do them well, but not to miss each other and all the movement and the busyness. Maybe Jesus was just trying to get their attention when he turned the tables over. To call them back. When's the last time you watched the sun coming through the window in your home? Or sat and looked past the television to the trees to see if the wind was blowing or not? When's the last time you really felt the warmth of your neighbor's hand? I invite us to just stay in a Sabbath place, seeing what God might offer each of us in a Sabbath moment. And to help us to open ourselves, I would like us to hear some words. There'll be some silence between what we share, but see what God might hold for you what clarity God might bring as we share a Sabbath moment together. I go among trees and sit still. All my stirring becomes quiet around me like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them asleep like cattle. Then, what is afraid of me comes and lives a while in my sight. What it fears in me leaves me, and the fear of me leaves it. It sings, and I hear its song. Then what I am afraid of comes, I live for a while in its sight. What I fear in it leaves it, and the fear of it leaves me. It sings, and I hear its song. After days of labor, mute in my consternations, I hear my song at last, and I sing it. As we sing, the day turns, the trees move. Rest your heart in God. Let yourself float on the safe waters, loving life as it comes, with all the rough weather it may bring. Give without counting, without counting how many years are left, not worried about surviving as long as possible. I'm afraid that too often we leave the deeps of life untouched. Not because we remember they are sacred, but because we forget they are there.
Let the light of late afternoon shine through the chinks in the barn, moving up the bales as the sun moves down. Let the cricket take up chafing as a woman takes up her needles and her yarn. Let evening come. Let dew collect on the hoe abandoned in the long grass. Let the stars appear and the moon disclose her silver horn. Let the fox go back to its sandy den. Let the wind die down. Let the shed go black inside. Let evening come. To the bottle in the ditch, to the scoop in the oats, to the air in the lung, let evening come. Let it come as it will, and don't be afraid. God does not leave us comfortless. So, let evening come. Evening comes. And it's not about being so exhausted we can't even move. It's not about being weighed down. It's about being free to love God, to love each other, and to see where God may be moving. Sabbath is ultimately about listening and seeing what comes from the listening. Elena was only eight years old. She was autistic. She had just started walking, yet she could not speak. It was after church, and folks had gathered for a social time. And Elena just happened to walk up to an older gentleman, and silently she placed her hand in his. He didn't know where the hand had come from, and he looked down, and he sort of gently just released her hand, sort of brushing her away in a sense. He continued with his conversation. Elena just very quietly and gently placed her hand back in his. He went ahead and let her hand rest in his. He didn't know who she was. He finished the conversation and was still gently holding her hand and he began to look for her mother. Eventually, the mother saw the older gentleman holding the hand of Elena. The mother came and he said, um, Ma'am, um, what's your daughter's name? And she said, Elena. And immediately emotion filled his face. He said, Elena? And the mother said, yes, her name's Elena. He said, that's the name of my wife who passed one year ago today. When we open ourselves and we listen, we see who God is calling us to love. Because she was open, it's an eight-year-old autistic young woman, she was able to let this man know that he was not alone. Who knows what God holds for us and we become free enough to Sabbath throughout our lives and days. Amen.